Hey folks, I teased this a bit last episode, but I can finally announce that I'm hosting my first Far Beyond Metal live podcast as part of the SAC Podfest, June 2nd at 5 p.m. at the Stab Theater on Broadway in Sacramento. I'll be taking the stage with my guest, Sacramento broadcasting legend Pat Martin, and I'll have some live music from a band. That band is to be announced. Head to sacpodfest.com for all the other shows and more details, or just keep an eye on the Far Beyond Metal socials. Now onto the show. folks and welcome to episode 49 of the far beyond metal podcast i'm your host and guide on this metal journey daniel cordova like my recent episodes with cat from kerrang and jordan from two minutes to late night this is a longer one-on-one interview and this time i'm talking with rob paspani rob alongside frank godla founded the heavy metal news review and video website metal injection the website has spawned tours podcasts like the metal injection livecast and has become one of the most trusted metal news resources Metal Injection is currently celebrating its 15th anniversary, and Rob came on to talk about the site's history, metal nerd moments, his adorable dog that you can follow on Instagram at Bobka Injection, professional wrestling, and a lot more. Now here is my conversation with Rob from Metal Injection. Got audio levels and all that good stuff on my end. Can you hear me? Yeah, I could definitely hear you. Fantastic. You know how like Skype or Google will like or Gmail will do that thing where it like auto predicts what you're gonna say for you in responses to emails and shit? Yeah. So when you said you were good to go, Skype was like, your options are I'm good as well and gates open. I, I really should have pressed gates open. <laughs> it's very like Mark Marin intro of it. I like, also like very like how dare they assume you're bourgeois <laughs> you're you're so bougie that you have a gate i mean you should see my podcasting castle you know the money in podcasting <laughs> you're right what was i thinking Alrighty, sir uh, i'm not sure how long i've got you for if you need to tell me to fuck off so you can take your dog for a walk i can respect that i'm a fan of your dog anyway so <laughs> how is your dog by I'm the way good uh she's doing great she peed and pooped i walked her before lovely before this <laughs> to not put any pressure on myself so yeah i gotta say and i'm sure that's just you know you can definitely relate to this but for me as uh, a fan of your adorable ass dog i believe it was a year ago she went missing that mm-hmm. that was a, a ride for me and i've never met your dog uh you know it's so funny you say that because like a bunch of people have told me that and uh <laughs> Like, uh, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, like it was the worst two days of my life, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I appreciate the, the sentiment and, and yeah, I would not wish that upon anybody. I'm a crazy cat dad and I feel like I would have the worst time if either one of them disappeared. So yeah, I'm glad that worked out. Um, so I'm just going to kind of dive in, but, uh, full disclosure for my listeners, far beyond metal is not associated with metal injection. However, on the side, Rob is my boss. So, yeah. 
There we go. Transparency or whatever. Boss is such a is such a like strong term. <laughs> yeah, we, we are collaborators. Yeah, maybe. I email you ideas and uh, get thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs like yeah. So cool. <laughs> uh, do you remember how we actually met? Yeah, we met at uh, South by Southwest. I remember, uh, and that night, I mean, I, I vaguely remember meeting you because this, you know, South by Southwest. So I was a little tanked, but then I do remember that at that show because it was we were watching Power Trip on a rooftop. Uh, I was so drunk that I just assumed that it would be okay to spark up a joint. It, I mean, it was a rooftop, but it was a bar, and like almost instantly got thrown out of this bar. Oh shit! I didn't know that part of it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was, it was a highlight of my my trip. Yeah, I think I talked to you two nights in a row there. I think there was the Dirty Dog or whatever that that uh, bar is slash was mm-hmm. called, and I said like, "Oh man, I worship the ground you walk on," and you're like. It's not that nice a ground. And I said, it's much closer to me. I'm much shorter than you. I can see it better. But both those nights when we interacted, I was also very drunk. Uh, right. I mean, it's, it's South by Southwest. So it was my first one. <laughs> and I had uh, promo people I've never met in real life just filling me full of beer like Munzee. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd imagine smoking weed on a roof in Texas doesn't go as well as it does in some yeah, other and states. Yeah, and also, this was, this was a few years ago. So weed isn't even like as accepted as it is now and even still in texas it's not at all accepted so yeah i don't know what the hell i was thinking i mean i was surprised to see cigarettes inside but then again i'm in california where anything that casts a shadow is you know got regulations on it so God, I get that it. was so disgusting too yeah that was anytime i go to a state where that's still legal i live in new york uh i'm like wow we made the right call <laughs> I, like this is so this is so gross. Even when I was a smoker uh, for a brief period, uh, I still still seems gross to smoke indoors. I grew up. Uh, my early single eight, single digit ages were in Texas, actually, and both my parents smoked, and we would regularly be in a smoking section of a restaurant. And it's it baffles me that that's like okay, and they just let their people's kids hang out with them and stuff. But both my parents don't smoke anymore. Everything's great. It's a different time. Yes, totally. <laughs> uh, so, Metal Injection, it's uh, celebrating the 15th anniversary. Does it feel like it has been 15 years? No, not at all. It's scary, actually. <laughs> uh, 15 years seems like a really long time, uh, and it is a really long time, uh, but it didn't doesn't feel like it with uh, Metal Injection. <laughs> and uh, like I'm a completely different person than when I started the, the company, but uh, or f- co-founded it, but... Uh, it, it still feels like it's not been 15 years. And I'm sure you've touched on some of these things I've been asking before in recent, I don't know, to anniversaries or something, but how did you and Frank first meet? Um, well, we went to, uh, Frank is, is the guy that I co-founded the website with, and uh, we actually went to high school together, uh, but we didn't really know each other. Uh, we hung out in slightly similar like the venn diagram of our friends there was some intersections but we didn't know each other <laughs> uh but we knew of each other i guess and then we met a few years later uh when frank was actually i guess kind of my boss at this weird uh not weird it's just like a unique i would say telemarketing company uh where it was like phone banking basically uh but 
for cell phones. <laughs> were you, were you cold, cold calling people's home lines for cell phones? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I guess it was just like a phone bank, and they outsourced their service, and anybody can hire them. And just when I was there, that's what we were doing. Uh, but uh, Frank was like above that. <laughs> like <laughs> he managed to convince them to give him a bit more responsibility. And so uh, his cubicle was kind of like on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> so I would always run into him. And like, since we kind of knew each other, we just started talking and he would always be playing metal and we would end up talking about metal. And then, uh, so that's kind of how we first met. And the story of like how metal injection kind of was conceived was that, uh, I was sitting in a basement getting high with my two friends, Noah and Nick, and we were watching a local public access channel late at night and a metal show came on and then it kind of became sort of appointment television for us to watch this shitty local public access show and we would just end up ragging on how shitty it was <laughs> and be, just be like oh we could do this so much better and then we were like well why don't we why don't we do it <laughs> and then uh, I, I talked to frank about it at our job and he mentioned how he's been wanting to do some video stuff and he uh, like had a Mac and we like got together some resources and, and that's kind of how we started doing it. So it kind of started, the idea started as a public access show and then morphed into a website. <clears throat> did the other public access show go ever go anywhere like you guys did? Like, are they no, I mean, like, I don't want to not like, I mean, I'm not going to name it because I <laughs> kind of dumped on it a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, like, yeah, I mean, it was just a passion thing. It was just somebody that was just doing it for the fun of it. Uh, and I think they eventually just stopped, like they stopped kind of before we even got off the ground just because I, I mean, I don't know. I never really never really like talked to the person that did it. Uh but yeah, like we took it way more seriously. <laughs> so did you imagine like a Wayne's world life and a future festival and all those sort of big lofty Mike Myers goals he had? Uh, well, it's so funny because like, I would say that Wayne's world was a huge inspiration <laughs> just because, uh, both of us like love that movie. Uh, and I mean, I don't think it was like intentional. Like we weren't like, how did Wayne's world do it? But I think it was just like the, the thought that like, you know, you could do it. It, was, it, it definitely came from watching that movie a bunch of times. Uh, but no, there were no lofty goals. It was just like, um, let's just have fun and do this thing. And then just we would have an idea. and like, oh, we should also have a website. And they're like, oh, you know, this website's getting a lot of traffic. And then it's like, you know, so it, it, was, it was very reactionary kind of thing it's like we would just do it something would happen something else would happen if that makes sense yeah and there certainly is still a video element to the website but i think it, one could say it's mostly written articles how did you make that transition and like did you go to school for writing and like how did it become a, no. a publication uh, <laughs> i was just uh on my end of it i was always interested in building websites since I was a teenager and uh, I learned on like a AOL homepage and then eventually just kept doing it. And the way I learned was just the handy right click view source 
button and copying and pasting people's code and playing with it and figuring out what things were. And also, to be fair, coding was much simpler 20 years ago. <laughs> like now it's it's far more intense. There wasn't CSS at the time. Uh, but anyway, that was kind of how I started. And I so I always do, uh, was into building web pages. I had, uh, because I was very much into pro wrestling as a kid, I had wrestling web pages uh, as a teenager. And that was kind of my hobby because I was a fucking dork. And uh, it ended up being uh, pretty successful. I, I ended up knowing how to do web marketing pretty well. Uh, like I would get tens of thousands of hits for this wrestling website. Uh, and then eventually kind of got bored with wrestling because <laughs> it was uh, whatever. And then like, you know, just with the, the metal scene in 2003, it kind of got like really exciting and, and we were, you know, this metal injection thing came along and I was like, oh, there should be a website element to it. And uh, we should try to keep the website as updated as possible. And so, you know, there's always metal news. And so I just started writing metal news. Like I said, it, it's a, it was a very reactionary thing. And I guess I've been writing for 15 years, but I wouldn't consider myself a, a writer. I don't, I'm not confident enough in my writing ability to do that. Um, I, I will definitely come back to Metal Injection in a second, but I can relate a lot to the early aughts kind of um, boredom of wrestling. And a peek behind the curtain that I don't think a lot of people know, actually, like my online handle for a lot of things is Ovacord, which is my last name mixed up, Cordova. But that initially started when I was in eighth grade when I decided I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And, o <laughs> and Ovacord was going to be my, my name. Mind you, I was five, I probably wasn't even five foot tall when I was in eighth grade. And I was pushing 200 pounds. And I don't know what kind of wrestler I thought I was going to be with my now ample height of five foot five. I guess it could be like a Rey Mysterio sort of thing. but Well, what's crazy is now wrestling has evolved where you, you could you wouldn't be that short. Oh, when, when I was like into, into it though, it was like Rey Mysterio and even his height was just like, yeah, his Rey height Mysterio was skimming. I think is 5'3", so you'd be taller than him. Suck on that, Mysterio. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, who were your guys in the early aughts? And I know you've, you've gotten back into it. Uh, yeah, I never really like got out of it. I just wasn't, uh, it kind of became like work to watch, watch it and like cover it. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Kind of that kind of thing. Uh, I'm way more I'm into it now, but yeah, like I definitely had a dip at that period also because, uh, WCW and ECW kind of went out of business and I very much enjoyed the variety. Dude, same. Uh, my favorite, my favorite guys, my favorite was ECW at the time. Tommy Dreamer uh, guy? Uh, no, I was, I mean like I didn't dislike Tommy Dreamer, but I was a Sabu guy. I knew you were going to say Sabu. I was, a, <laughs> I was a Rob Van Dam guy and I was especially a Raven guy, uh, in ECW in WWE, you know, Steve Austin, obviously. Um, I loved Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels I loved forever. Like, he was my favorite wrestler as a, as a young bull. You know, like, I was always rooting for him over Bret Hart, which is funny because now I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. But at the time, I was way more into Shawn Michaels. Um, and the NWO, of course. And WCW, big NWO. My favorite part of like WCW was this the weird kind of influx of luchadors they had. It, it kind of oh oh I that I what I loved about WCW was like WWE was so strict and like you know uh, they set up their rules and they followed them. Like WCW was so uh, freeform 
and 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 that's kind of what I like. There were no rules there, and yeah, the luchadors, the Japanese wrestlers, they would always have like people coming in. It'd be great. Like I, I will go back and watch those nitros, and it's so crazy because it's like you'll have like these really obscure southern wrestlers <laughs> wrestling like Rey Mysterio, you know, like like uh, Dick Slater or whatever. Who was like, what the fuck is he still doing wrestling at this time? But it was just the right period. Uh, you mentioning Sabu and like the ECW guys put this question in my head, and I can easily Google this, but you're here. Is the Sandman still doing stuff? Is he dead? He's not dead. Uh, he's actually doing conventions and stuff, but I don't think he's wrestling too much. That's probably for the best. He, uh, yeah, very scarred man. Um, so you mentioned like kind of getting uh, tired of making wrestling your work. Have you ever hit that wall with metal? Uh, I mean, it's been 15 years. I, I've certainly had <laughs> probably, uh, I but uh, but I love it, and and uh, you know, I, I I work from home, so it, it's really it's really I, I'm pretty zen with it. <laughs> you know, I, I would I would not say I hate it. There's certain aspects, you know, tedious things that you would have with any job that you wouldn't like, but uh, overall, it's great. When uh, when did it first hit you that like Metal Injection was a legitimate like news outlet for metal? Because like I used to work for a terrestrial radio company, and our main guy would go there every day to talk about like hard rock news and would like cite it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Look at look on Fridays. That's me. Uh, I didn't know that. That's a you know it still kind of hasn't hit me <laughs> to answer your question. Uh, but. No, I, I guess I would say when uh, uh, people in bands would talk to me about it or or if we would write about something and then the person from the band would reach out to me to comment on it or, or point out some sort of inaccuracy or something like that and like uh, or, you know, refute it if it's like drama. I think like that's kind of when I started realizing like, oh, uh, you know, this is something that people are seeing. I'm not just throwing this into the ether. And uh, I take, I kind of uh, take that pretty seriously in the sense of uh, I, I wouldn't want to intentionally slander someone. And I'm sure you're not like pushing for any sort of uh, negative feedback from bands. Cause like you want to be able to still work with them going forward. But like, why does Phil from all that remains hate you again? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's been so long, but uh, I, 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 that's someone. <laughs> I mean, you could certainly make the argument that I may, may have slandered and uh, and given uh, my opinion on a certain topic a little too freely. But I mean, I'm I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you feel like your biggest accomplishment with the website is? Either directly related to the website, with you personally going on to do something else, or just the site itself. Um, I mean, just that I've been able to make it my full-time job for a decade is certainly a personal accomplishment. Uh, but in the greater scheme of things, you know, like, uh, uh, outwardly, I would say it is pretty cool that it is a source for people and that people were, that, you know, I had something to do with people discovering new music that they would not be able to find otherwise or 
I mean, there's certainly other websites that cover it, but you know what I mean? Just providing an outlet for some of these artists that uh, otherwise might not have a platform. Um, I know the show went from public <laughs> access to online. Did you ever dabble with uh, print media? No, we never. I mean, print was already <laughs> on the way out. And also print would cost money. We had no money. We had no startup capital, nothing like that. There was no such thing as like the term startup. You know, we didn't really have a business plan. We didn't know what we were doing the first <laughs> few years. And, and to do something with print, you know, that would require an investment. Anytime we even tried to make any sort of investment, we would just lose the money. We would never <laughs> make it back. Like, for example, with merch or anything like that, like it, it just didn't seem to work out. So and we were completely broke. We were, you know, in our early 20s. Uh, and so we didn't really have that much to, to dabble with. So no, we never got into print. Uh, it would have been cool, uh, but it just didn't make sense. And I, I feel like the, uh, about the time I became aware of metal injection is about the time when I stopped seeing metal edge and hit parader in stores. Uh, why did you murder them? <laughs> uh, I mean, they kind of, uh, kind of put themselves out to pasture. Uh, we tried to work with the, uh, some of those magazines. And I mean, again, like I don't want, like I knew people that worked at those places and a lot of writers got starts at those places and, and you know, built careers off of them. But I just think the means of communication changed. And, uh, you know, people like we were, you know, we kind of, got huge through MySpace, which doesn't even exist anymore. So like, you know, like plat the platform shifts. I mean, it exists, but not in the form that it did at the time. And it was like 90% uh, of our traffic referrals or whatever were from MySpace, which is wild to think about uh, just because it was just a little moment in time. Uh, I don't know why they, I think they went out of business too, because eventually their budgets got so small that they could only really uh, hire uh, people where it would be their first job in print. And again, it was a great starting off point for many people, but on the other side of it, it might have not produced uh, content at a level where people felt it was necessary to, to pay for. But I mean, there are still publications that are doing really, really well, like Decibel, which actually started the same year that we did. We started a few months before that them and i mean they figured it out and uh, and they're doing it okay yeah i mean they've got like a yearly tour or two and, and that's fucking red yeah and i mean with revolver they're they're trying something different and you know they're around they're doing it people are getting uh pieces printed in there so i'm all for it uh the bigger the better i mean i used to think that like we need to like <laughs> crush the competition or whatever like that but that's such a silly notion because it's such a small uh world that you know it's really like everyone should just support each other and uh a rising tide you know helps all ships or whatever that phrase is because it's like if the metal scene itself gets bigger all of our outlets get bigger too you know yeah that makes sense and uh, speaking of competition, like I, I for some reason occasionally look at our comment section because I hate myself or, or like don't want to have a good day or something. 
And um, there on Facebook specifically, specifically Facebook. Yes. People telling me I forgot about this band I've never heard of. That's never put out an EP or something, you know, that which kind is of thing. probably also just like their band or their best friends band. Yeah. <laughs> like if they if they get it in my inbox or like in my radar before Friday, like, cool, I'll add it. But like usually just people are pissing me that I forget. But I, I occasionally see this sort of attempt to like jab us by mentioning metal sucks who I know are friends of yours. And I unknowingly in South by Southwest was around at least one of those dudes. Uh, you guys went so far as to get matching zebra pants. Uh, how do you guys balance friendship and competition? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, they just do their thing and we do, we do our thing. Like they, it's, uh, we're fine with it, you know? There's no, I mean, I'm not going to say there isn't competition because we're obviously two metal sites, but I don't know. Uh, we, we're cool with each other. I'm cool with uh, all the sites. I, I don't have any ill will uh, towards, I would say, you know, 95% of them. <laughs> I'm just saying 95% just to give myself that safe space in case I'm forgetting some website that I do have a beef with, but I, I don't. I don't. We're... Uh, like I, I, I don't want to sound like a guru here, but like I realized a while ago that the only competition I would, I would have is myself and, or, you know, metal injection. The only thing I, I can't control what metal sucks does. They're going to do what they do. I can't control what other websites, uh, do. They're going to do what, what they think they should be doing for their websites. All I can control is what we do. So my competition is my my willpower to to do more and like and, and to like uh, be better than I was a day ago or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because I have fallen into that trap years ago. Again, fifteen years, you learn a few things. <laughs> but like years ago, I'd be like, oh, like I would get bitter about other websites. Uh, not necessarily Metal Sucks, but and it was just like, well, what's the point of this? What's the point of sulking? Like, let's just. What can I do to make uh, my website better? The Rob is so wise. Mm-hmm, there, be, mm-hmm. there needs to be a shirt of you like floating like you're Devin Townsend or something. Well, I think uh, also you should kind of like take in, instead of uh, being jealous of other people's success, take in your own success. Because, uh, you know, I would have that feeling where I'd be jealous of other people's success, but then i talk to people uh, with websites not as successful as ours and be getting the opposite from them of like, oh, how could, like that's crazy. Like, I wish I had uh, that type of traffic or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's all re- relative. And uh, I'm doing great. You know, I'm working for myself. <laughs> uh, uh, p- people have risen my website. So whatever. Uh, I should just focus on, on that, you know, and, and the positive. I almost see it like, bands forming because you see a band you like you're you want to be in a band you can't be in that band so you got to start your own band but you can't do the exact same thing so you got to put your own spin on it and like i feel like the same idea. absolutely yeah and uh we uh, you know it's something frank and i have talked about a lot how like we were a band like we have we've suffered the same struggles as a band it's just we don't go on tour but yeah i mean it's just a small business ultimately and yeah there's like other bands that kind of do what you do but you got to focus on what you're doing and, and and making it good, and uh, that's kind of what we try to do. One thing that kind of comes with, like, hand-in-hand with being a metal fan is kind of the uh, the tendency to sort of take it a little far and obsess about it, 
and I definitely have that. I have grown men's autographs on my wall still, and I'm 30. Uh, what are some of your like biggest nerd freakout moments that you kind of had to control yourself if you weren't already just sort of used to it? Like you said, you're still not used to the success of the site, but have you met a hero that made you shit yourself or something? Oh, yeah. Like I've had, you know, moments like that for sure. A lot, you know, ultimately with most people, you're just like, oh, they're human beings. It's fine. <laughs> They're chill. But I think it's like just some artists that I've, I've known since I was or looked up to since I was a little kid. Uh, that would be crazy. Like uh, when I spoke to Metallica, when I spoke to James Hetfield and uh, Robert Trujillo, I was like flipping out. I was like, you know, I got to keep my cool here. And at one point I ended up... Uh, at one of those uh, Revolver award shows backstage, and I was invited into Slayer's dressing room. I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? This is insane. Uh, and uh, it was great. Everyone was really nice. And, you know, I hung out and did a shot with Kerry King. Of Jaeger, Jaeger, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, in, his, in their dressing room, I was like, this is fucking nuts. And I was obviously completely lifted already because this was a party going on for hours so it wasn't like i was i was going into the sober so here's a big tip when you're in a situation like that you're losing your shit you're like this is such a cool moment you have to realize that the longer you're in that moment and in my specific situation in that backstage area the higher the risk of doing something stupid to completely fuck up that moment. <laughs> so what'd you do to, you know, to avoid, I didn't do anything stupid because to avoid that, you just find an excuse to get the hell out of there. Um, cause it's like, all right, I made it back here. I hung out. I did a shot. Like what more can I do? How much more can this be topped? It can't really. And I'm also just lingering. You never want to linger. <laughs> and, uh, but it actually ended up, for the best because so Guns N' Roses were going on and I was just like, oh, well, I want to, I really want to go see Guns N' Roses. I don't mean to be rude. Thank you so much for the invite. Everybody understood that they don't care. You know, they're not like, <laughs> no, hang out with us. Uh, and it actually ended up so crazy because I was in their dressing room. I was like past the security checkpoint. And then, so like if I were to go right, I would go back to where I came from and my seats and whatever. But if I went left, it was literally the side of the stage Shit. and nobody stopped me. And so I watched Guns N' Roses from the side of the stage, which was uh, like, again, crazy. That was totally a moment like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, how the hell did this happen? This is great. This is nuts. Uh, is this like reunion Guns N' Roses, like last few years or just like Buckethead? Either way, cool. This, uh, it was without Slash, but it was actually one of the first performances with Duff. But it was still just a really cool, so cool. Uh, experience uh, to to see the whole machine in action. And the, the biggest moment like that was meeting Dave Grohl a few months ago. Uh, he cooked for you, didn't he? He was doing his barbecue thing. So and, crazy. Uh, and, uh, but like the craziest part was so like he was doing this barbecue thing. People were coming up to him and like. Everybody's was wigging out, and this was at the Dime Bash, so it's like an all-star jam. There's all these musicians who are like the most jaded people in the fucking world, be like, and then like even they're flipping out, like, "Holy shit, Dave Grohl's over here! He's cooking barbecue. That's so cool!" 
And Dave Grohl could not have been nicer. Just the absolute chillest dude. And I didn't really want to bother him, but I kind of caught myself in that, like, you know, like looking at him like he was a zoo animal, kind of, holy shit, it's Dave Grohl. And then it's like, what am I doing? Like, why am I? It's, again, just trying to remind myself. He's a person. He's cool. He's chill. It's fine. Anyway, he was walking to the stage to go perform. He walks past me and he, he stops and, and he's like, hey, dude. Are you from Virginia? <laughs> like he asks, Dave Grohl asks me a question. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? No, I wish I was from Virginia. Why do you ask? He's like, have you ever been in a, have you ever interviewed Guar or, or done a video with Guar? And I was like, yeah, dude, that was me. And he goes, and he starts flipping out like, dude, I love that video. I've watched it so many times. Holy crap. And then, he, and then the, the person he was with was like, uh, Dave, you got to go to stage. He's like, dude, don't move. I'll be right back. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm not going to uh, do anything to let Dave Grohl down. <laughs> and then he ended up coming back. And uh, long story short, he was incredibly cool. He saw uh, a video I did with Guar because I used to work for their label. And they hired uh, Frank and, and myself to produce a, uh, a DVD for them Uh of like behind the scenes stuff. And uh, so he saw this video, Dave Grohl, and he like loved it and watched it. So he was like quoting lines that we did. I mean, it was, I mean, really, it wasn't like a video I did. Like, to be fair, it was a video that fucking Odor Surungus did that I just happened to be in. But just still, it was mind blowing to me. It was totally one of these moments that you were just asking me about of like, wow, this is so crazy that like something uh, I had a part in like moved Dave Grohl. Like Dave Grohl has provided me with so much fucking entertainment. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like so many like movements for lack of a better term to like provide him with a little bit of joy is fucking awesome. I have a question about this story. Why do you wish you were from Virginia? <laughs> oh, cause he, uh, cause he's like, that was just the first question completely out of context. Like, are you from Virginia? And I'm like, because he was asking me, like, like he knew me. Like, are you from Virginia? <laughs> I was just like, uh, no. I wish I was. <laughs> like, so that to give you what you want as an answer to your question is kind of what I meant. I thought you had some deep-seated love for Virginia. Oh, like, no, no, no. Okay. I, I have nothing against Virginia is a wonderful state. Yeah. There's some good bands out of Virginia. That's kind of yeah. how I base all my good state sounds, opinions on. Yeah. I've never been. But, again, Guar. Mm. Guar's neat. Yeah. Um, you also have a podcast, not, not like this one at all in format uh, called Livecast. How did you meet those folks? And, uh, how did that come to be out of the metal injection beast? Yeah. It's the metal injection livecast, not just livecast. Uh, get the branding. right. My, okay. my apologies, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually known all of those. I've known Noah. I, I co-hosted with three people, Noah, Darren, and Sid. I've known Noah since high school. We, took TV production together in high school, and we both agree that that class that we took uh, kind of shaped our lives in incredible ways and kind of led us on the path to where we are today. Uh, and so we always kind of had an interest in broadcasting. And uh, I, when I went to college, Brooklyn College, I joined the radio station and I met Sid there. And then when Noah joined the college, I told her to join and so we just uh started doing a show on there and they had a lot they had these four hours blocks uh 
where, like, the radio station itself barely broadcast on campus. It was such a shitty <laughs> reception. Oh, no, no. Uh, I was in one of those, yes. We didn't even have a, a AM band anymore by the time I, I got there. Yeah, we that was... That was it. We kind of lost our license, and it wasn't until our senior, in my senior year, that we got the license back to where you could actually listen to it on the radio. <laughs> uh, you could only really hear it uh, on campus or like in the cafeteria. Uh, but it was more just to get your reps in of like doing radio production. That was kind of the idea of it. But the uh, crown jewel was. Uh, on the local public access channels, again, lots of public access intertwining here, uh, they would have these community calendars where it would just be community events, and the audio would be provided by local college radio stations. And so for four hours a day, uh, we would have a time slot on there. So there would be a, that's like a very precious time slot because it's like the most possible listenership you could ever get because of these community access channels. And uh, since, like, nobody really had classes on Friday, the least desirable shift was the Friday shift, which I gladly took because, fuck yeah, I'll I'll (laughs) do a four-hour shift. And so it was me and Noah, and eventually, like, Sid uh, came on the show. And I just met Darren through mutual friends, and we instantly had a comedic chemistry. Uh, and so it was kind of me, Noah, and Darren doing a show since college. And then when college ended, we stopped doing the show. But we really, really, like, it was, like, such a great time. And we had such fond memories of it that we uh, always wanted to do it. But there wasn't really a reason or a way to do it. And then podcasting came around. And so we kind of developed the format uh, that we do a live two-hour show uh, every week, which is kind of like what we were doing in the radio show because it was a live show. We would take callers and the we would get so uh, the audience for the public access channels was more of a hip hop audience. <laughs> we would get like people calling in and try to do shout outs and and all the stuff. And it kind of became like a gag. And, and, and it was pretty funny. And then eventually we did have people that would listen specifically for our show and have like longtime callers and all that. And it was, it was really fun. The parallels between your whole thing in mine are kind of freaky to me like i started college radio as well what was your what was your station uh wbcr uh 590 am we were uh kssu kssu.com because again we lost our uh <laughs> any sort of frequency we had mm-hmm. but uh yeah like same deal did the whole college radio thing stopped doing that missed it here's far beyond metal my show is far beyond metal on the on the radio too good times but uh i uh I would rebroadcast my show on a local elementary school that happened to have an FM band. Not sure why we didn't, but they did. But they gave us like the worst weekend slot. So it was me, a sports radio show that I, uh, I edited all this together for the elementary school too. I just had to go through and cut out the ads and make sure no one, we weren't allowed to swear on the radio despite not really being radio, but still had to take out any sort of, yeah. But yeah, it was super weird. And the elementary school had the coveted spots and like, I was like, sure, I'm the, also the production guy, so I will get, make sure metal's on there. And, uh, yeah, weird. Very weird. <laughs> and that's just how it happens. Uh, on on Metal Injection Livecast, to get the branding correct, uh, you, spoke, Thank you. you spoke with uh, one Jason Newstead. How, yes. how was that, and how did that happen? 
Um, I mean, it always happens around some sort of like album promotion or I think he was promoting a tour or something. And uh, Oh, no, no, no. He was promoting an art show. Oh, of course. So it's like that was it because he was doing his his first solo art exhibit in New York and he was looking for any sort of publicity for it. Or, you know, he was looking for publicity from metal publications. So it was just like it totally just happened to work out. Uh, it's actually really challenging because, you know, typically when people do phoners, they kind of set these blocks of time that they're willing to do it. And they want to kind of get all of the interviews done in those blocks of time. Oh, I know. Usually, it. you know, during the afternoon. And we have a very specific time and we're live. So we don't want to do a pre-taped interview. Uh, so it all worked out and he was incredibly cool. He's actually the absolute coolest dude. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting him in person, uh, when I worked at Sirius XM for a few years and he was very, very nice and, and like super nervous to interview Jason who said, you know, you don't want to say something stupid, but we're on the phone, we're joking around and, and he was like right there with us. And, and so that was always like, we, we don't try to do an interview try to have a conversation. That's kind of what we say. And so he, he was uh, riffing along with us because we were at the time laughing about uh, we had just discovered a Chuck Berry sex tape. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> which is phenomenal comedy. It's oh, A+. Yeah. Plus. It's just, it's so obscene and gross, but like he's so rude to these women, uh, like to comic effects. Like obviously I do not, I mean it wasn't really abusive i guess it could be considered abusive but consensually it was it was not abusive uh but anyway the best part about it though was like we were telling him about it. he's like oh i know all about that we uh we would watch those tapes on the tour bus in the 80s and just laugh about it and, like he was like quoting it and it was just like holy oh, shit man. we're joking around about <laughs> chuck berry sex tapes with fucking jason newstead so that that was another one of those moments i guess as well I, I have a, a moment where I almost met him and I realized the second after my window closed too, I was interviewing oh. Voivod at the Fox. They were opening for Neurosis. And mm -hmm. for some reason, Century Media was just like asking people at my, like the stations around, hey, do you want to interview Voivod? I'm like, sure. I don't really know much about Voivod except for the fact that Jason Newstead used to be their bassist. And mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a bassist who plays metal. Honestly, like Burton's cool. Newstead was my guy, though. He's part of why I play bass. So I'm talking to uh, Voivod, and it's a weird interview. They keep getting distracted, and, like, I'm talking to one guy, and then a second guy comes in, and the first guy leaves, and the two guys come in, and, like, I'm having a hard time keeping track of who I'm really talking to. And one of them leans over and says something, and they all leave the room, and then one of them comes back and goes, like, no offense, we kind of have to wrap this up. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. So I ask my last few questions, and then in... And my last one is about, like, are you guys still cool with Jason, even though he was just on the one album? They're like, oh, yeah, he's here right now. And there's a beat. And I'm like, fuck. Oh, thank you for talking to me. And I'm like, I should have asked if I could just say hi. Damn it. <laughs> so, like, it, as soon as, like, I just spit out, oh, cool, thanks, sorry for hold, holding you up. That was it. Well, you were being polite. There yeah. you go. Being polite to the Canadians. But they're Canadian. They probably would have said yes. They're very polite people. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it would have been fine. Uh, to kind of wrap up this this thing we're doing here, this interview conversation thing, uh, do you have any advice for fledgling metal writers or writers in general from your 15 years with Metal Injection? 
uh, well, you know, I never had to go out and look for writing jobs because I just started my own website. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I I don't know if I would necessarily recommend that. Uh, But what I would say as an editor or a publisher is if you're applying to write at, at websites and they have wanted ads, really read what they're asking for you to send them and make sure you send it to them. And, and uh, if you like want a cold email websites to apply for writing gigs, make it as easy as possible to access your writing. Uh, links are always better than attachments. Nobody wants to open up a, a Word document if it is an uh, yeah, if it is an attachment, it probably should be a PDF, uh, but should include links and uh, kind of offer a good bit of your personality in the email. And and I guess that I guess I would say that. And if you want to be a writer in metal, uh, make sure you also have something else you're good at because you're probably not going to make too much money. <laughs> I'd say that. Fair enough. And I'll ask you one last question that I like to ask everybody I talk to. Uh, you are in in metal writing. Did you ever have your own band? Uh, no, I, I, I can't say I had my own band. Like, no. Uh, I've wanted, certainly wanted to, but never, it could never happen. Like, I could never make it work. I do not play any instruments. Did you ever try? Did you, I, do you own a guitar? Uh, <laughs> I do not own a guitar. I've taken a few guitar lessons but I am painfully white and uh, do not have any sense of rhythm or a very poor sense of rhythm so no the performing aspect of music not for me sorry to hear that unfortunately yeah because our new queen Lizzo says if you don't play music you can't talk about music so you should probably go ahead and close your doors on Metal Injection because Liz. I guess stuff. this is it. Yeah, well, sorry to close down all this stuff you've built. Well, good times. I mean, you could still, you you just can't offer an opinion on music, which I'm fine with. I don't necessarily <laughs> offer my opinion uh, on things. I guess I offer it on things that I like, not necessarily things I dislike as much anymore. Well, thank you for being on my podcast. Uh, I will be sure to plug all the things with the proper words and stuff. You know, links. <laughs> I was just, I was just teasing. No, I know. I, <laughs> I, I just put it in my notes shorthand. And I'm like, there's more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I very much love talking about myself. So, feel free to have me on to talk about myself at any time. All right, next time it'll just be <laughs> your your upbringing. I really should have touched on that more, but uh. I'm, uh, on your just general upbringing, so the next one will just be the the life and times <laughs> yeah, of a young about my mom and like yeah like my, my family life, all that stuff. I don't know if no. you li- <laughs> I don't know if you listen to WTF, but we could just do that. Like who, who your folks like <laughs> who your guys and you know that kind of thing. But again, that'll be on in a future <laughs> episode. So call that a tease. All right, thanks. Dude. All right, thanks, dude. Metal Injection Livecast streams every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern at metalinjection.com slash livecast. And then it can be found on iTunes. Then, of course, 
You can find 15 years of metal news, videos, and other entertainment over at metalinjection.net. And I, of course, would like to remind you to hit sackpodfest.com for all the other shows at the SAC Podfest, as well as my show. Again, 5 p.m. June 2nd, SAC Podfest, Far Beyond Metal. And you can follow the show at facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. I'm on Twitter at underscore farbeyondmetal. The show is on Instagram at farbeyondmetalpod. And if you want to email me, you may do so by emailing farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. And as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.